Welcome to Lompoc Foursquare Church's podcast. Enjoy the message. If you have a Bible, open to 1 Peter chapter 5, if you would. I sure would appreciate you following along uh, with me. The words will be on the screen as well. You know, when you're a leader of any kind, you feel the weight of the people that you lead. If you're a teacher, you feel the weight of your class. If you're a coach, you feel the weight of your team. If you're a CEO or a CFO, you feel the weight of your, your, your company. Uh, if you're a parent, you feel the weight of your family. These last few weeks, I've been, as I've been praying, I'm feeling the weight of many of you. Uh, even though we've been connecting through Facebook or through live stream or our online services, uh, some of you have sent us notes and cards and emails. Thank you so much for staying connected with the church. But I'm hearing from you through your prayer request and from just a, a sense of what God's put in my heart, that there's a weightiness about this season. Someone might say, well, go figure, right? You, you, yeah, but, but the last few weeks, it seems even, even more. You know, I've been concerned about people that have, well, I think of a friend of mine that's a barber. Uh, he's told he can't cut hair, and then all of a sudden he's told he can if there's social distancing and sanitation and signage and masks and all of that stuff. So they rearrange the barber shop, and then they're told, oops, this week you can't cut hair anymore. Uh, one barber said, well, we'll just go outside and cut hair. And somebody told him, sorry, you, you can't do that either. And it's like, ah, even with the church, we were going to open on July 5, and then all of a sudden in our county, we had this spike in, in COVID-19, and we thought, let's partner with the county. Let's do what they're doing. Let's support them. Uh, we felt it was a judicious decision, and so uh, we went for that. And then as people have talked about, can you meet in church? Then we can't sing. Uh, we've been told by the governor. And so, hey, we're going to start meeting August 2nd during our 1045 service outside. A couple of you even drove by to check out how good it was. Well, because you've come to church before, you actually didn't think about sitting out there in, in lawn chairs. But guess what? Uh, the response has been really, really great. And I just kind of got to tell you a little secret here. Uh, it's not only going to be wonderful to be outside. We're going to remain online, all three services, but we'll be outside together. And we have some special guests. That's all I'm saying. Let me say it again. Special guests coming uh, that will be joining us outside in our outside venue. Oh, yes, you've got to wear your mask outside. And yes, we'll help you with Social distancing and hand sanitizer will, will be all around. Some of you can even sit in your cars if you want out front on the street. So we're going to work hard to make sure it's the best possible experience. But here's what I know. There's a weightiness to all of this. If you have your notes, even if you don't, you could write this down, that God is intimately acquainted, and I love that, with all my ways and all my days. In this, this ever-shifting season we're in, the God who does not change is with us. And he's acquainted with everything that you feel and that you fear and that you face, your joys, your sorrows, your concerns about your family, and the weightiness that you have in your own heart. Remember last week, David marches over the hill and goes into Ziglag and sees that his family is gone. Presumably they're dead. Well, of course, they're not, but he doesn't know that. His house is burned to the ground. His city, his community, as he knows it, 
is burned to the ground, and over 600 of the men that he's trained to war now want to stone him to death because they think that he's betrayed them. And one of the things we learned last week was that David strengthened himself and encouraged himself in the Lord. Now, if you didn't get last week's message, it's rare that I promote my own stuff, but I want you to get last week's message. So don't, don't go watch it now, but sometime this week, go back if you missed it and get the steps that we talked about on how David more than likely strengthened himself before the Lord. Well, Peter, in that same heart, is talking about, well, how God takes care of us, how God strengthens us, how God picks us up by his mighty hand. You need to understand the context. He's writing to suffering Christians who are being persecuted, and he's telling them, you're in good hands. 1 Peter 5, 5 to 8, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's what? Mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith. I can't tell you how many times uh, I've heard this passage preached, or I've read articles about it, or commentaries about it, and it has a lot to do with our pride. But let me talk to you about what is the benefit of being humble. Rather than attacking pride, let's just talk about the benefit of humility, about being under God's mighty hand. And here's what it means. If we're under God's mighty hand, number one, God will lift me up. Uh, why don't you just say that where you are? God will lift me up. He will. It may not feel like it. It may not seem like it now, but he will. 1 Peter 5, 6 in the New Living Translation says, he will lift you up in honor. He will lift you up. James 4, 10, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up in honor. Humble yourself before the Lord. It's our assignment to put our trust and our faith in God, as we saw last week in Proverbs 3, trust the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. That's what it means to be humble. See, humble yourself, 1 Peter 5, 6, therefore under God's mighty hand and he will lift you up in due time. Exodus 13.9 says, for the Lord brought you out of Egypt with his mighty hand. So both Moses and Peter describe God's hand as a mighty hand. And we need to come under God's mighty hand. We need to be aware in our humility that, uh, where the power comes from. It's God's power and not my power. It's God's power. Now, if you're a person that's trying to control this season, may God bless you. <laughs> like I talk about my friend the barber. I mean, he can't control this season. One day it's this, the next day it's that, the next day, well, oh, he can't control his economy either. You can't cut hair, you don't make money. You can't cut hair, you can't pay the rent. I mean, it's just that factual. So if you're trying to control this season, well, you need to take a look at what Peter says, come under God's mighty hand. 
The word in the Greek implies that we are almost laying down. That's our posture. It's not a wrestling. Now, if you've ever picked up a child, maybe in some kind of a game, you understand if the, the, the kid's trying to play, you can't catch me, and, and their arms are flailing about, and they're, they're, they're kicking their feet everywhere. It's really hard to get that child. But if you've ever picked up a child after they've fallen asleep in the car, and you want to bring them into the house to put them into their bed, tuck them in, and they're just, they're out, almost comatose, drools coming down the side of their face. It's easy to pick them up. Now, they might be dead weight. I get that. But when they're not kicking and screaming or playing or trying to get away from you, catch me if you can, there's a trust. This is exactly the picture I believe Peter wants us to catch here. God, I'm resting in you. I'm laying before you. I'm being still, and I'm knowing that you are God. I'm not kicking. I'm not trying to control. I'm not trying to be in charge. I'm humbling myself under your mighty hand. I'm trusting God and leaning on his understanding. I'm being willing to do good without getting any credit for it. That's humility, too. And I'm being able to rejoice in someone else's success. And I think the reverse of that is true too. I mean, being able to, to mourn with those who mourn. The second thing I think Peter wants us to see here is that God will take care of me. I mean, it's obviously one of the most recognizable verses in Scripture. 1 Peter 5, 7, cast all your care on him because he cares for you. And notice the word anxiety is written in there. Because that's one of the definitions of care. Where are you anxious? Of course, Paul tells us in Philippians 4, be, be anxious for nothing. And some of us get anxious over nothing. Come on. But he says, this is your care that you place on God. It's not just an emotional thing, though it can be. It's an action where I take everything that I have and I say, God, I'm casting it upon you. It's like a parent who takes care of a child. Oftentimes around the church, when we gather together, I see a brand new baby. There's something exciting about a brand new baby. And here we're brand new parents for the first time. And they've got their little car seat, their little handle, their robo chair, and they're bringing it around. And I often say this, do you see that child? Oh, yes, we do. I said, that child is not worried about the next meal. It's not worried about the diaper change or the cost of diapers. It's not worried about taxes. It's not worried about, it's not worried. It's just resting. Of course, the child will let you know if it needs something. They have their own personal alarm system that's called crying or screaming. But there's something about the trust of the child in that chair. Much like Peter says, just trust in God. Cast all your care up upon God because he cares for you. It's not just an emotional thing, though it can be your emotions. There's a lot of people living with anxiety right now. And there are some who have, well, living in darkness, even with suicidal thoughts. I want to remind you today, please hear my heart, that if ever you find yourself there, God does not want you to suffer in silence. First of all, he wants to hear your cry. 
But second of all, and I believe this is right, he wants you to reach out to someone. Uh, We've had some people in our own community, some young people, some that we knew, take their own lives. We can always question, what were they feeling in the moment? Didn't they know how much we loved them? I've talked to people who have had suicidal thoughts, and in that time, very, very few of them were thinking about how much they're loved and how much value they have. Well, we could tell them that, but in that moment, they can't hear it. Listen, if you're ever in that place, do not suffer in silence. You can always reach out. We have a national hotline that I actually know people who have called that hotline, and it's been helpful for them to get the resources they need. It's 1-800-273-8255. Now, if you didn't get to write it down, don't worry. All you got to do is Google suicide hotline. I mean, it's everywhere. 1-800-273-8255. Don't suffer. Listen, don't suffer in silence. And don't let anybody tell you, all you got to do is just pray, it'll, it'll, it'll go away. Yes, pray. Yes, cast your care on God. But yes, reach out to somebody who can help you. Please do that. Why? Because your life is valuable and it matters. Peter says, listen, you don't need to suffer. You need to cast all your care and anxiety upon God because God cares for you. What is our responsibility as people? All of us. To cast our care on God. I, I got this old fishing pole here. Man, this thing is amazing. It's caught a lot of fish. It's got a lot of miles on it. But at the end of the fishing pole is these weights. Now, the more weight you have, the farther it can cast. Cast all your care. So the benefit is, if you're overloaded with, with, with care, and your proverbial, the, the, the pole of your heart is, 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 is bending... Because the weight, good news, the farther it will cast. <laughs> and I'm just going to grab this pole here, and, and, and because we have people uh, on our team here, I don't have a hook on it, because more than likely I'd hook somebody. But you could just get this thing and boom, you can cast it out, all of it. Oh, and by the way, when you're done, don't reel it back in. Take, take it and say, God, you can have all of it. That's exactly what Peter is saying here. Cast all your care upon God. Remember last week we saw it in Psalm 37 verse 5. Commit your way to the Lord. And one of the ways David strengthened himself was he committed his life, his ways, his concern to God. The word in Hebrew literally means to roll up and give away. To take all your cares and your anxieties, kind of like the sleeping bag. I used that analogy last week. I talked about it, but I I brought this little sleeping bag and it's rolled up and it's in its sleeve. Not just for transport, but it's in its sleeve to remind us today that we're to give our cares to God. But here's what some people do. Okay, Lord, here's, here's, here's my cares. Man, there are many. Here's my issues. There are many. God, God, here, here. And it seems like we, we, we take back the very concerns we have in our life and we place them on ourselves. Listen, I'm not a psychologist, but I'm a human being like you. God has never asked us to carry the weight on ourselves, 
to walk around life and to try to do his will and live his purpose and live out the dreams he's put in our heart with all the weights of life around us. No one can survive that way. And here's what I know about people in the pandemic. We were not intended to handle all this on our own for this long. We, we, we were made that way. People that, 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 that are first responders and people that have been in our military that deal with PTSD. What that reminds us of is that our human soul was not created with the ability to carry all the hurt and the pain and the anguish and the loss of life and the list goes on and on. So what we need to do is say, God, look, while we, we, we seek professional help and that's good, while we have people around us helping carry our burden, our weight of that, that's great. We, we need to, to roll up all our, commit your ways to the Lord and just say, here, God, oh, I give it all to you. Well, that felt good. <laughs> and last week, I, I used this journal. It was the journal of worry and all the worries I have in my life. And, and I said, it's not that you're, you're living in denial. We recognize we have issues and problems. We recognize that there's suffering and pain and hurt. We recognize we have cares, and they are legitimate. They are legitimate. Not living in denial. We take them and we say, God, here they are. You have the ability to carry them. And so we cast them upon God. Cast. We roll them up, and we roll them over on God. I studied a ton out of 1 Peter and I don't have time to read to you all the, 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 the commentaries, but, but one of the things I saw over and over again that different theologians said is that we need to change our vocabulary. We talk about things as changing, things about, about the, the, they're, they're, they're getting better. We're not denying that things are dark or bleak, but we're confessing how powerful God is. As Peter said, we're under his mighty hand, which leads me to the third thing I want to just underscore is that God will restore me, restore me. Psalm 23, he restores my soul. He's in the restoration business. Like taking a car, I mean, sometimes people will, will, will fix a dent, maybe throw some paint on it. But in the car business, there's such a thing called as a rotisserie restoration. They actually take the car frame and put it on a rotisserie and they fix everything. They make it right. They, they sandblast in some cases. And they fix and repair. They take the body and not just the outside that you see, but the underneath as well. Everything's being restored. Not just a cosmetic here or a cosmetic there. See, God's not in the business of just making things smell like a new car. He's in the business of restoring us, of making us new, a new life. You can study the scriptures that's talked so much about that. You know, we, we on the Central Coast get what it is to live in the marine layer on occasion. Or if you've ever been in the Central Valley and driven through the fog, you really get it. And I've been to the Central Valley before where the only thing I can see is the headlights or the, or the taillights in front of me. Can't see very far. I was reading about fog, and I, I found this out, that if you took seven square blocks, seven square blocks covered in fog, 100 feet deep, 
If you took all that fog and converted it into water, H2O, it would be about 12 ounces in a glass. 12 ounces. And sometimes the fog is awful thick and it's awful deep and it's hard to navigate, but when you look at it for what it is, it's it's about 12 ounces of water. Could it be that God wants us to see things through his mighty hand, through, through his lens of blessing and his lens of grace? As 1 Peter 5.10 says, And the God of all grace who called you into his eternal glory in Christ after you have suffered for a little while. And please hear me. There's a lot of suffering going on, but it's only for a little while. Here's what I know about the pandemic. Here's what I know. It's not going to last forever. It's not permanent. Somebody says, well, Pastor, can it hurry up? Come on. Yeah, I'm with you. Come on, hurry up. Let's, Let's hurry up. Let's do what we're supposed to do. Come on. But in the meantime, we say, you know what? This is not going to be forever because God is going to restore us. And I love this line will himself restore you. As great as family and friends and church and all of that is, there's something about your personal relationship with God. He himself wants to restore you and make you, oh, I love this, and make you strong and firm and steadfast where he supports you. See, Peter understands that his personal life cannot sustain his personal life that it's futile, that he needs to have himself under the reliant, strong hand of God. Well, this word strong is in the Greek, it literally means to have you solid as a rock. Who's writing this? Peter, (laughs) the little rock, where God says, upon this rock, Peter, I will build my church. That we would understand as Peter's talking to Christians who are suffering and in persecution. He says, listen, God is going to strengthen you. And who else, who else would be better qualified to tell us that than Peter himself? As he denied the Lord, what did the Lord do? He restored him fully. Kind of like a rotisserie restoration. He reinstated him back to being a disciple and an apostle. And it was the first sermon on the day of Pentecost it's Peter preaching. There had to be something inside of him that said, I shouldn't be here. God could have found someone else. But it's a story that reminds us that God restores our soul. And number four, my part is to stand strong in the faith. Once the Lord has put me on a strong place, uh, on a place of strength, I need to stand strong there and not be moved from it. Why? Because 1 Peter 5, 8, and 9 says, you be alert and you have a sober mind. It's easy in this day to let your mind wander and drift, to to let the headlines become the heartlines, to take your heart from where it is strong in God and, and to listen to everybody's opinion about what's going on. I get emails just like you do. I, I see things on Facebook just like you do. I see people's blogs and everybody's an expert. You know what an expert is? An X is a has-been, and a spurt is a little dribble that comes out of a faucet. That's an expert. You know who's an expert on tomorrow? I'm going to tell you. It's God. It's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Somebody say, well, that sounds like a bunch of church jargon to me. It's true. That's why Peter says, you better be sober. Hold it together. Be alert in your mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around 
looking like anyone, like a lion, looking for anyone he can devour. Literally means chew you up and spit you out. What do we do? We resist him. Standing firm where? In the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of stuff you're undergoing. You're not alone in this. There's others who are facing the same thing that you're facing. And they're praying for you and we're praying for them. Now, if you've been around LFC, you know I'm not a devil guy. I don't give a whole lot of pulpit time to the devil and Satan. But here's what I do know about the devil and Satan. Trust me on this. He's doing everything he can to divide our nation. He's doing everything he can to pit people against one another. Somebody with a different viewpoint getting mad at somebody else. Somebody filming somebody else uh, out in the community and, and, and posting that and, 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 and making it sound like, well, we're, we're all against each other. But, but God wants us to be united. A few weeks ago, I preached a sermon about the heart of Christ. He, he, he says, I don't want Jew or Greek or bond or free or male or female. I want everybody to be one in me. And Christ, Christ is concerned about a race of people. And it's called the human race, that we'd all be together. And I understand the pain. I've listened to people uh, talk on all sides of the issue. But you know what Jesus wants? He doesn't want any prejudice. He doesn't want any racism. He doesn't want anybody to be superior. Actually, he wants us all to be humble under the mighty hand of God. And the devil wants to ruin our faith and deplete us while Jesus wants to come and fill us. That's why Jesus said in in John 10.10, I come to give you life and life more abundant. But the devil comes to kill, steal, and destroy. That's all he knows to do. The devil will never bless you. The devil will never encourage you to follow God's will and way. The devil will never, ever, ever promote God's word and say, this is what you need to follow. He may use the word and twist it to tempt you, but he will never, ever, ever say, oh yes, you go ahead and give your life to Jesus. Get full of the Holy Spirit. Worship God every day. He will never do that. Because in the end, the devil wants to destroy you. He wants to take your faith away. So don't let this season ruin your love for God, your love for others, and your faith in God. Now, let me make a quick parenthetical stop here. And I just got just a few more minutes and, and, and I'll be done. This Tuesday... July 21 at 10.30 and 6 p.m. I'm going to be on Zoom both times. I would love for you to help me. And here's what I want you to do. If you're a parent with kids that are going to be going back to school online, I just want to hear from you. Do I have answers? No. Am I an educator? No. But I want to hear what you're facing. And I want to see if we can't A, pray for each other, and B, support each other. I had one dad tell me, I was working with my kids, he's a single father, and he, he was saying, I was working with my kids and doing my job and trying to get my kids all zoomed out. He goes, I, I'm, I'm not an educator, and my daughter had questions about math, I didn't know what to say to her, and we waited until the next day, the teacher got online, there was a lot of questions, the teacher had that poor teacher trying to navigate this new day. So, if you email us at office at Lompoc Foursquare, we'll give you the code to jump on Again, I don't have any you know, magic uh, uh, pill for you to take, and it'll all be better. But if you'd like to join us, great. If you're a teacher and you'd like to join us, we'd love to have your expertise as well. 
but what would it be like if, if, if LFC could help parents going forward? I don't know what it would be like. That's why I want to create this Zoom listening time where I'll just hear from you. We'll be online for about 40, 45 minutes. Depends on how many come, but we're going to do it at 10.30 a.m., and we'll do it at 6 p.m. again this, this Tuesday. Why? Because we do need to help each other. Why? Because we need to remind each other, number five, segueing right in, that God is with me. Hey, would you say that where you are? God is with me. He's never stopped being with us. He's never stopped being for us. Well, who's this God that's with me? 1 Peter 5.10. He's the God of all grace. So I look at the word grace. Some of you go, oh, it's undeserved provision, un unmerited favor. It's, it's great. Yes, but it's more than that. It's everything that God is in the giving department. Peter is saying the, the God who gives us the, 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 the charismata, the, the spiritual gifts, the graces that he gives us. It's the God who gives us kindness and compassion. It's it's the God who, who gives us forgiveness so we can forgive others. It's the God who comforts us so we can comfort others. It's the God of patience. It's the God who listens to us. That's what he's talking about. The God of all. Notice that. All grace. Not just some grace. Not just grace when you sin and fail, though that's included in it. It's everything that's gracious that comes from the heart of God. It's God who opposes the proud, verse 5, but gives grace to the humble. That's what he wants for you and he wants for me. And he closes this out in verse 12 by saying, I've written to you briefly, encouraging you and testifying that this is the true grace of God. Wow. What is the true grace of God? That we can come under his mighty hand. We can stop our kicking and our screaming and the movement of our hands, resistance to God. We can stop being proud and trying to be in control. We can lay under him. We can be still and know that he is God. And he says, I, I've written this to you that you might be understanding the true grace of God. Stand fast in it. Stand fast in it. You're not alone in it, but stand fast in it. You know what worry is? Worry is irreverent, irresponsible, and irrelevant. Worry is irreverent because it fails to recognize that God is at work on my behalf, and his grace is more than, more than enough. Worry is irresponsible because it wastes our energy so that we don't have the energy we need to do the things that God's called us to do. <laughs> And it is irrelevant. Why? Because it cannot change anything. You can worry all day. Nothing will change. But we can trust in God. The God who's filled with grace, who wants to bring his grace to you, who wants you to cast all your care on him and don't take it back, who wants you to be under his mighty hand. It will help us trust God in the unknown. So Lord, we pray today, especially for those who need your grace. Oh, come and fill them today, God. Be with them today, Lord. And God, for those who have yet to give their life to you, to believe that you are King of kings and Lord of lords, that you've died on a cross to save us, 
to restore us fully. Not just take out a dent here or spray a little paint there. You've come to fully restore us, to make us new in you. And dear ones, if you've never given your life to Christ, I encourage you today where you would say, God, I give you my heart. I give you my life. Jesus, I believe you died on the cross, that you rose again from the dead. And if you do, salvation comes to you. That's the mighty hand of God giving you his grace. If today is your day to give your life to Christ, I would encourage you to just take, take a moment. And, and, and if you have an ability to text us, will you just text Decide Jesus, all one word, to 555-888. We want to respond to you and help you get started on your journey with Christ to send you some great free material that will help you. No strings attached. And as we've been saying, if, if some of you have a prayer request or a need, you can leave it on Facebook. You can uh, leave it in the comment section or you can DM us, direct message us, or leave it on a live stream if you have that ability to do that. Or you can also email the office. Why? Because we just want to agree with you and help you in this season. And again, if you're facing dark days, do not face them alone. There are people that are there to help you, and even in our church. So Lord, give us the ability to trust in you. You are trustworthy. You are trustworthy. You are faithful. Help us to put our faith in you. May God's grace be with you today. His mighty hand be upon you. May he lift you up. May you put your trust in him. That's the best thing we can do. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Please visit us at mylfc.com for more information about our church. Thank you so much for listening.